Hey guys, welcome back to the Deadly Divas podcast. We're going to be concluding our coverage today of the Madeline McCann case in this two-part episode. If you're a new listener, we're so happy to have you with us. This is the second half of our episode, so make sure to check out part one. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back, Diva Squad. We love you guys so much. Don't forget to check us out on our Instagram page at the Deadly Divas. Welcome to the Deadly Divas, true crime stories and investigations. We're your hosts, Michelle and Brie. Nine one one. Where's your emergency? The public prosecutor's office is investigating a forty-three-year-old German national on suspicion of murder. We are assuming that the girl is dead. The disappearance of three-year-old Madeleine McCann is one of the world's most heartbreaking mysteries. Ever since she went missing on a family holiday in Portugal, her beautiful face has haunted us all. In that time, her parents Kate and Jerry have never stopped searching for answers about their daughter or hoping she's still alive. Now there is news, but it's not good. German prosecutors say they know Maddie is dead and they have the prime suspect, a known sex offender, in their sights. 43-year-old Christian Bruckner. Between 1995 and 2017, Christian Bruckner drifted between Germany and the Portuguese coastal town of Praia de Luge. He was a small-time drug dealer and thief, breaking into holiday homes and hotels. His house at the time was just over a kilometre from the Ocean Club Resort where Madeleine McCann disappeared. Also chillingly close is where he committed another truly awful crime. The rape of a 72-year-old woman in 2005, two years before Maddie vanished. It was only last year that DNA evidence finally led to Bruckner's conviction for this terrible rape. But in 2007, when the McCann family, along with their young daughter Maddie, checked into the Ocean Club, no one in Pradeluge knew of the monster living amongst them. May 3rd, 2007. Jerry and Kate McCann go to dinner with friends at a tapas bar within the Ocean Club Resort complex. Having checked their children a number of times that night, at around 10 p.m., Kate McCann goes back to the room. She finds Maddie missing and the bedroom window open. Given the German investigators have said very clearly that they believe Madeleine McCann is dead, uh, do you accept that they must have significant information? My experience of working with the German police is that they are very careful um, what they say publicly. They would have recognised the significance of it, they would have recognised the international sensitivity of it, and they would probably have recognised the public interest in it. And so the fact that they have made that statement is of itself significant. 
Do you have irrefutable evidence that Madeleine McCann is dead? Uh, we have uh, strong evidence that uh, Madeleine McCann is dead and uh, that our suspect killed her. But uh, I'm not allowed and I'm not able at the moment to tell you all the details of our evidence. German prosecutor Hans Christian Walters leads the investigation into Christian Bruckner. You don't have a body, obviously. Yes. We, we don't have the body and no parts of the body, but we have enough evidence to say our suspect killed Madeleine McCann. And can I ask you this, how long ago did you realise that Madeleine McCann was dead? It was sometime in the last two years when we realised that she's dead. So he had made a comment to friends of his that he wanted to build a dungeon, just like a previous pedophile had done that was like a, a oh. infamous, like, was it a Russian? Joseph Fritzl. Yeah. He is the man who held his daughter captive for 24 years and sexually abused and raped her in a cellar of the family home. And Christian was like, yeah, I want to build a place just like him. And I'm like, yeah. that's how, I mean, if you didn't already know this man was a sociopath and a psychopath, creepy, chomo, that gave it away right there, if we didn't already know. Yeah, and he also mentioned that he wanted to have the soundproofing on the walls, yeah. um, just like Joseph Fritzl. So... The man's insane. He talked of creating a dungeon in this, his rented cottage. He had a cellar and he said he wanted to line it with heavy plates, like the guy in Austria. When he was in Germany, he had rented a cottage and the person he rented it from said the previous owner had tried to build a basement, which was not allowed. So he asked Christian if he would be willing to fill in the basement to move in because if not he would have to wait because the guy was going to like fill it in himself because the basement was not allowed to be there so christian was like of course i will fill in this basement with concrete no problem <laughs> like um perfect place to bury so now bodies. he has a dungeon that he doesn't need to build it's built for him which if it ends up covered in cement and filled in with cement, will not be suspicious. Which, as far as I know, because and this is in the Discovery one, I don't know. Because, like I said, the German police, they don't give out details if they have searched it since. They had never excavated, dug up, anything. They interviewed this man, and I said, if I were him, I could not sleep at night. I would be over in that basement, chiseling away, <laughs> screwdriver, hammer, and hand at that freaking cement until I discovered that there was either no body or that the creepy chomo I let live in my uh, next-door house yeah. had buried little children in there. Like, I could not sleep. I would be over there, just hammering away. 100%. <laughs> If you want to conceal a body and don't want it You'd to probably smell, put it in cement. And at this point it's underneath a house. Right. I'm sorry, but if there was a basement filled with cement that Christian Bruckner once lived in, I would say that I would be excavating that. It'd be top of my list. <laughs> top of the list. Top of the sure. list. I mean how what a daunting I mean, that would be a daunting task. How do you even go about doing that? You're... You get a jackhammer. 
No, can I just say, an entire basement, and I mean, this house was like a medium-sized home. Uh Like, it wasn't tiny. An entire basement for that home, nine or ten feet tall, and it's completely filled with cement. Mm Mm-hmm. Imagine it was somewhat of a big basement if for it to like not be allowed to be on the property per like whatever their building permits were. I don't know. They didn't go into I mean, detail, if it was but my... it, it wasn't just like a, right. oh, you walk down and there's a four by four room. No, no it was a basement. You walk right. down and it's in a yeah. creepy horror film where the demons are popping out left and right. That's what I imagine. Filled right. with cement. What? With what? <laughs> cement? 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 How do you say it? <laughs> Cement? Cement? Uh, cement. No, it's cement. definitely not cement. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I'm Canadian and Brianna is extremely Southern. I, she says extremely Southern, but I'm not. She says no, cement. <laughs> Case in point. I'm not extremely Southern. I feel like I have a decent not southern accent. Like, I don't think most people would know where I was from. No, you don't have a southern accent, okay. but you say things like cement. <laughs> cement. What's wrong with that? It sounds like semen. <laughs> that's what's wrong with it. I knew that's what you were going to say. <laughs> now, the cement filled basement. <laughs> Can we do a poll, please? (laughs) Meet us on our Instagram page and uh, let us know. Christian Bruckner has dramatically become the prime suspect. I see a lot of clues and a lot of evidence that he is a psychopath who um, has an escalating fantasy of violence, which finally maybe ended in abducting and killing Maddie McCann, yes. Tonight, we trace his criminal history through Portugal, living a stone's throw from where Madeline was taken. His menacing bolt hole in Germany, where he buried damning evidence of his crimes beneath the body of his dog. And exclusive police records of an alleged pedophile chat room revealing his depraved and criminal mind. Who doesn't want to catch something small and use it for days? I will document exactly how they will be tortured. Christian B, I mean, he is a serial offender in many past cases. He was criminal and he was in prison and he did it again and again and again and again, 17 or 18 times. Mark Hoffman is a Berlin-based crime and intelligence analyst who works with German police and has studied Christian Bruckner's sordid criminal past. I mean, this absolutely matches um, the, the facts of the evidence. Number one, he was there. And because most serial offenders, it's all about power and control, and they like to do it in environments which are their comfort zone. So they are doing what they do near to the places where they live. For years, Bruckner ran a kiosk next to a kindergarten. 
Yes, Kindergarten und Grundschule. There's a kindergarten and a junior school next door. They spent their pocket money on sweets here. He gave the kids lollies for free. I still can't get over the fact that he owned a small candy shop. I can't remember the name of this movie when I was little. Chitty gave... Chitty Bang Bang. How did you know? <laughs> That's it! It gave me horrible nightmares. I could not sleep as a child growing up after I watched that movie. But I just imagine him being the little guy with the black hair trying to sell candy to children to kidnap them and lure them in. That's the premise of this horrifying movie, by the way. My grandma thought it was a great childhood My movie. My grandparents showed it to me, too. My brother and I were like, no. we're going to get kidnapped. We had, we had the option of watching either we get, well, one of five VHS movies, and um, it would rotate. So we had like Inspector Gadget, Lilo and Stitch, Chitty Chitty Loved Bang Bang. Inspector Gadget. Um, First was like uh, bed knobs and broomsticks. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. <laughs> that Barney colorful rainbow egg movie. Oh, we had a Barney. We had a Barney. Um, I remember that Barney episode made me fat because it was like 25 things you can do with bananas. <laughs> you say it as an adult it sounds inappropriate but i mean it's a creepy movie i i, I just, would like to watch it now as an adult but i watched it once and could never it. watch it again, honestly ever. we should watch that completely hammered that would be a good time that would be a real good time it would be. i remember nothing from that movie except for the man leaning down to the basement window with his <gasps> lollipops oh my god that was i literally can image like imagine that in my head Jesus. Oh my God. I'm scared. <laughs> oh, it's even scarier than I remember. It's even scarier than I, look at this. Look at it. I want to look at it. Okay, okay. Oh my God. You guys. He was the child catcher. That yeah. was his name. That was literally <gasps> what they called him. Oh my effing God. When I tell you this is the most horrifying film for children around the world, I would rather sit and watch The Conjuring He's the creepiest chomo I ever did lay eyes on in television history. What was I doing watching a movie from 68? All right, it's our grandparents that okay, made us watch it. Okay, it's true. Um, <laughs> that's terrifying. You know what's funny? My grandparents are German, like in descent. Like my grandma straight up spoke German. Everybody's German in descent. No, my grandma <laughs> spoke German. Her birth certificate is in German. Shit. Like <laughs> She's real German then. I wonder if this was some sort of like based in Germany and she was like, it's a great movie. Like, it's well over two hours. Is it really? Yes. That's why they put this have... movie on because they didn't want to hear from us for two hours. You guys have to go watch this movie. Like we, this is going to have to be one of our podcasts is us reviewing this movie because it is horrifying. The fact that this man's face has stuck in my head over this many years. The fact that that man's a ghost now is even more terrifying. So I'll just leave you with that. Oh my God. This is oh it. Oh no. This is it. Oh, oh no. Is your heart pounding? Yeah. I'm like nauseous. Like, I'm nervous. <laughs> For a movie this old to be scary is rare because they had no special effects. They had nothing like that. This is creepiest. The actor is just like crushing it in the creepy <laughs> department. department. <clears throat> oh my god. Hit play. Hit play. What's his face is in it? What is it? What's happened? The children! He took the children! 
I just blanked on his name. Dick Van Dyke. That's it, Dick Van Dyke. I personally, knowing my family, think they used it as a way to be like, this is why you don't go with strangers, especially if they're offering you candy. Right. Because like my mom would test me when I was younger. She was like, what are you gonna do? They came out with that TV show of like, what would your kid do? Mm -hmm. And they literally tested people's children. So <laughs> instead of just making them watch Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, yeah. This is what they did later in life. They had strangers approach children and go, help me find my lost dog, Susie. Mm -hmm. And the parent's like, yeah, my kid would never go with that. <laughs> and next thing you know, you see their kid walking down the street to go help find Susie, the missing dog. <laughs> yep. And I'm like, those kids never watch Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. So no. maybe our grandparents did us a favor. Maybe they did. We're both still here. So <laughs> I never left... The comfort of my home for a creepy man at the window offered me lollipops and jelly pies. <laughs> right. Your parents also didn't leave you alone in a hotel room in Portugal. So. <laughs> you, you're coming for the parents, man. You know what? I feel horrible for them. But I also feel, feel like it was they are responsible. You feel it was prevented. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, the anguish here is incredible. It's every parent's nightmare. We're going to hook up now with social worker Carrie, Gary Darrenfield, who we lovingly call the Leonard Molson of social work back on <laughs> Live at 530. Gary, it is a toughie, isn't it? We all feel for the parents, but at the same time, there's some responsibility here that, uh, I mean, let's get your opinion. I think we know the answer here. How can we not feel for these parents? Mm -hmm. It's every parent's worst nightmare. Having said that, they're culpable for their daughter's disappearance. Just this, let's, uh, the circumstances for viewers that aren't aware. Now, they say they were literally 50 yards away from their room at this uh, courtyard restaurant, and they were dashing back and forth throughout the course of the meal, checking in, checking in, checking in on the fifth or sixth check-in. That's when Madeline was Yeah, done. apparently they were checking in on a half-hour basis. So quite frankly, it wouldn't matter if you were 50 yards or 50 miles away. Only they had a four-year-old and twin two-year-olds left alone in the hotel room. Twin two-year-olds, either one of these child, uh, children could have choked on a, on a little toy within a minute's mm -hmm. time and being found dead. For, forget the, the, the disappearance of the four-year-old. You just don't neglect your children that way. Okay, I'm sure, look, I'm sure the parents are absolutely beside themselves. With, I want some suggestions for parents who, and I know a lot of them, and I'm one of them, leave their kids alone, not that young, but Gary, what are some of the guidelines for leaving your kids alone? Well, you definitely aren't going to leave a four-year-old no. and two-year-old uh, to their own devices. You just don't do that. They don't have the, the cognitive capacity to understand danger, to reach out for help, to take care of themselves. Doesn't happen. And in fact, not until the child is eight, nine, ten years of age do they have a, a real inkling of the dangers that can befall them. And then it's not until they're maybe 11, 12, 13 years of age do they truly feel safe in their own mind. Now, you know, right. a nine-year-old might say, oh, I, I feel safe. That's bravado. They haven't a clue what they're feeling safe against. But by the time you're 11, 12, and 13, then you have some appreciation of the dangers out there. You've been street-proofed. You've been house-proofed. You've got a laundry list of names that you can call. It becomes safer to leave a child of those ages unattended. Legally, but legally, though. Legally, what happens if, for example, you've got a nine-year-old at home, both parents are working, the nine-year-old comes in after school, opens up the door with the key, makes their own after-school snack, watches television or does homework. Are the parents culpable here? Is nine 
uh, an okay age to let your kid come home by themselves? I know a lot of people that did, the previous generation, I don't know so often now, but is that okay? Here in the jurisdiction of the province of Ontario, under uh, our child welfare legislation, there isn't a hard and fast number that says below this age the child should can, there be cannot be unattended. Should no, there be? Because we have that in, in some U.S. states, Illinois, for example. It's it winds up needing to be a bit of a judgment call. So you have that 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 year old. You you have to ask yourself what are the circumstances that this child is being left here? What is the plan, safety plan that is in place? What is the um, uh, supervision that is available? to that child, be it from a neighbor, be it phoning in uh, back and forth with their parents. And so when we take in into account a bunch of factors, what's the maturity of this nine-year-old? We can have a very mature nine, ten-year-old quite capable. We can have some very immature, uh, irresponsible nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen-year-olds right. who we'd never want to leave. So it's the parent's responsibility. But uh, Gary, I, I know there's a lot of parents out there that are saying, okay, you know what? A couple of weeks ago, we were at the neighbor's place, we're next door, we're 50 feet away, we've got a baby monitor, we can hear what's going on in the room. Were we neglect? Are we being neglectful? We're sitting out in our patio while the kids are in another room somewhere. Uh, we're putting a lot of pressure on parents now. Do they have to have these kids in their sights 24 hours a day? Can they leave them alone? And under what circumstances can Mark, they leave them alone? Mark. We know that these kids are not going to be in our site 24 hours a day, but typically when they're in our own home, mm. in their own bed, and we're in the bedroom next door, we're downstairs, there is uh, safety. It's a rarity, mm. a rarity in Canada, in the province of Ontario, that we have a child snatched from their own bedroom. Happens. Oh, it happened a couple of years ago in, right. uh, in North York. That's right. But it is a rarity. Right. And so uh, we have electronic devices. We can now use uh, video cameras and be in another room. We have the baby monitor mm -hmm. and, and be in another room. These are great strategies so that we have actually have continuous supervision of the Because it's not just that extreme scenario of a kidnapping. We're talking accidents as well, if you're even there you go with the neighbors. Yeah. There you go. So with these little ones, we actually want to be within earshot, and whether it's electronically or, or by virtue of being in the house, whether, you know, through the video cameras, we do want to have some eyes, ears available to know what's happening with the, with the wee ones. Otherwise, it's neglect for crying out loud. Okay, so Gary, a, a few years back, my kids were about 11 and 8. We we're staying at a hotel, left them alone, had to leave, left alone for five minutes in the room. Was I being a neglectful parent? Well, there again, it winds up being a judgment call. I don't know the maturity of your 11 and 8 year old. Pretty mature, I would say. <laughs> well, so you a little Keith Moon, he threw the TV out the window. No, no, if I thought that was going to happen, of course I would have let them go. And there, and there again is the parent. The parent has to determine. Maybe these parents thought, you know, my four year old's pretty sharp. If anything happened to the baby, she'd pick up the phone and call me. I don't know. Yeah, but at 11 and 8 year old, yeah. uh, they do know how to dial 911 by these ages. You said you were gone for five minutes. Yeah. Uh, there's a yeah. different level of maturity okay. here. I definitely think there's a couple points in this case where it's so sad but so true that it's so sad but so true that it could have been avoided. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. Two people, two of the parents, the men, walked in, saw suspicious activity and still went back to nurse. So it is, you're right, it, it's preventable. Like at some point in the case, it, from the very beginning to where they shouldn't have made the reservation, shouldn't have told the restaurant they were leaving their children alone, yes. Unfortunately, it is. And everybody's human. We make mistakes. People make choices that we then regret later in life. Unfortunately, this caused a horrific tragedy for their family. 
something that they will probably never forgive themselves for. No, they won't. And the fact that there was a child molester looking for a child to take at the same time in the same place that they decided to take the risk at leaving their children in an unlocked apartment, their chances of those two scenarios lining up are pretty slim. Right. So, yeah, in this case, like... Unfortunately things did not line up for them like everything lined up but to the favor of the bad guys like because they could have left they they might have gone on vacation before where they have done that and never had that problem you know what i'm saying like they probably have done that like we said they are doctors these people probably have money they could travel freely like and like I told you, it's a different vibe. It's a different atmosphere in Europe. Like, it's very much more laid back and like mm-hmm. the tapas environment where you're drinking with friends and you're having a good time and your kids are right up the street. Like, it seems like a harmless thing. But if they in had... America, okay, if not they... so much because yeah. I feel like the news is so like. 10 children have been missing since October. And, like, uh, the news loves reporting on stuff like that here. I don't know over there in that time span. Well, they didn't even have a sex offender registry. But I also think, to your point about them being wealthy and traveling and having all this money, um, they could have easily afforded a babysitter for the evening. Like, it's not... It was... It was irresponsible, neglectful, and selfish. I'm not saying it's not sad. I think... If this had ever happened to me or somebody I knew, I would hope that people at like a certain point would realize they've been through enough. Yeah, they made mistakes and yeah, they did stupid stuff, but for the love of God, let them be and hope that they get closure on their daughter. Mm-hmm. Now you're making yourself sound like such a better person than me. No! Which, <laughs> I, I do feel guilty. No! I'm just... I know because you're like, I can't imagine. Because, like, you and I both did babysitting and stuff, but you did nannying. And you did it for people who are wealthier and had money. So I think to you, you're like, it's such an easy option. And it's like, why not? Yeah, an evening, two hours for an evening. Right. At a place that offered childcare. I think that is the crazy thing, is that they offered the child. That is the crazy thing, is that they literally offered the childcare. It was readily available. There was no reason they couldn't have done it. Mm-hmm. And... They just chose not to. Yeah. Not only did Kate and Jerry choose not to, their the other, friends other couple also chose not it to. It wasn't one couple. It was, uh, what, three couples? Six of them? Six or seven of them? Yeah, it was... It, it was I want to say it was three couples. Yeah. Three or four. So you got to... I mean, to me, to think that not one of those parents... The I other mean, parents were lucky. Because they all were in the same hotel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Any of their children could have been the Madeline in this story. Yeah, yeah. So the other parents just happened to get lucky. They all made the same mistake. Yep. Do I think those parents will ever make that mistake again? No. It was a hard, hard lesson that they learned from the horrific incident. Yeah. And just knowing that that man was in the room with their children as well. That's got to be so traumatic. I don't know how you would sleep at night after that. Like, no. I don't think as a parent I would sleep. Right. And, and like, slapping your husband, being like, <laughs> WTF, man. The window was open, Jerry. <laughs> Good God. As of July of 2020, that's all the information they have 
um, on the case, which... Well, they have secret information that they won't release because that's their policy. But it seems like they're... Not fairly. They are, like, almost certainly assured, based on what the German police are saying, that they have their guy and they think it's him. Yeah. Without a doubt. And they also believe that she is dead and they supposedly have evidence to support that. Yeah. They have, they have not found a body, no. which they have said, but they do have evidence to support that she is dead, which again, led us, you, that led you and I to believe that it was some sort of video evidence. Yes. And the fact that he said, we do not have forensic evidence, but we do have other evidence that Maddie is dead and that Christian killed her. For the German police, who are usually so tight-lipped to come out and say that publicly, mm-hmm. they're pretty sure. Um, they obviously, yeah, they obviously have video evidence or photo evidence. And he's in jail right now, serving time for another uh, crime. However, they don't want to jump the gun and charge him with murder yet because they don't have a body. But if they don't find Maddie, they need to make sure that their ducks are in a row and they're going to get a conviction. Right. Because the German police don't prosecute unless they're 100% sure they're going to get a conviction. There has to be zero doubt. Is there double jeopardy in Germany? Because in Italy... There's not. You can try somebody over and over again. Yeah. Because remember that case with the Amanda foreign exchange student. We got to talk about Amanda Knox too. I'm watching the documentary and being like, these Italian police again targeted this girl. God, why am I? Why do I think the police are targeting these people? <laughs> See, here's the problem. I, you know what? I think we have a good dynamic because a lot of times, I mean, I'm a little bit harsher. Mm-hmm. I feel you're a little bit more compassionate I want to say which is hilarious because I'm very like you work in the jail with all the inmates (laughs) and I bake cupcakes (laughs) you would think it would be the opposite so I mean I don't know I think it's I in my work environment currently have to be tough sometimes right Uh, but again and nurses know this at the end of the day you're you have to be a compassionate person totally if you're not a compassionate person, then I like don't know why you got in the field to begin with because that's what you have to be. So even in a setting where you have to be a little harsher and a little firmer, you, sometimes you almost have to be like a mom because sometimes it's like dealing with children and you have to be like, that's not allowed. That's not okay. Mm-hmm. We're going to go back and reevaluate how we've said this. Yeah. So, so our plan or my plan, Brie doesn't know this yet. <laughs> is that every every case we cover, we're going to break the ice with a nice little story from Bree's previous week. Oh, at work. God. <laughs> Her jail stories are pretty entertaining. Um, one of the very first <laughs> times that her and I and Maddie all got together, we got to Maddie's house like 9 o'clock at night. I want to say 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock for like a little girl's night, made margaritas. We didn't leave her house till 6 a.m. <laughs> We laughed and talked and drank all night long. And the majority of those of those conversations stemmed from her stories. Yeah, it's never it's never like medical issues. It's always like some sort of interaction except, that my stories like except, involve. Except for the hardened criminals, the drug dealers with the neck tats that come to you for a paper cut and they want a band-aid. <laughs> Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, that's a medical issue. And Brie Not being... just issue, medical emergency. 
Brie being the compassionate yeah. nurse that she is, gives them a Band-Aid and oh. kisses them on the forehead. And <laughs> No, this is where I talked about I have do they to get, be stern. Do because... they get snacks? Do they ask you for snacks when they come down? So we don't have food in medical. Like, a jail is different than a prison. We don't have food in medical for inmates, like for patients. The only thing I keep in medical would be things like insure for people who have to get that, that like need extra nutrition. Right. Don't eat well. Sometimes you have older prisoners who like you have to give insures to because memory issues or whatever. I have thicket to thicken liquids for somebody that might have had some sort of like, I don't know. People who've had brain injuries or previous strokes or histories like that where, like, they don't swallow well and they have to have thickened liquids. Like, but that's pretty much all that we keep in medical. We don't really keep, That's it. But for some reason, people do think we keep food in there and they always ask us for food. And I'm like, I don't have any food in here other than my own personal food I brought from home. I'm like, we got some insure. That's I would, about it. I would bring in all the Chomos and then I'd have McDonald's and I'd just eat it in front of them. <laughs> You cannot do that. Um, that's against human rights, even people you don't like. Okay, but they molested children. Watching someone eat french fries in front of you from McDonald's. Are you kidding me? It's like torture. <laughs> You're cracking me up. Yeah, I can't do that. Neither can any of the detention staff. No, you can't do that. No, I'm, I'm kidding, but not really. It's funny because I think people sometimes, like, they see TV and the, the depiction of jail and prisons and TV is much an older depiction of when all the officers weren't wearing body cameras and there mm-hmm. weren't cameras at every ounce of the facility. Yeah, you can't go around just, like, <laughs> lining people up and eating food in front of them. Like, you cannot do that. No. <laughs> oh, God. No, you have to be... You have, I don't look up people's charges for a reason now. I would. <laughs> Sometimes officers make you aware of charges for safety reasons. They're like, hey, you're about to do a screening with this person in an enclosed room. And they may have just come in here for stabbing somebody. <laughs> they may or may not have murdered someone. So they just a quick heads up. May have. And I'm like, okay, well, stand by the door then, I guess. And let's get this going. <laughs> and you do your screening and... You hope they don't flip out on you, and that's the end of it. And then they leave. But <laughs> I mean, that's a high risk, Bree. I think, unfortunately, like most of the time when people commit crimes, there's some sort of reasoning behind it, unless they have mental health issues, which is a whole nother topic in itself. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I feel like I am at a jail, which should be half mental health hospital, half jail. Half right. the people there need to be in a mental health institution to get actual help that they need. And half the people are there because they just committed crimes and they wanted to commit crimes and they don't have any sort of mental health issue. But the mental health people, like anything they do or say, I, I take with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. They can be cussing at me out of a window and calling me all sorts of names and saying crazy stuff sometimes. I, I don't even flinch because I'm like, that person is not with it enough and if they were getting the treatment they needed and taking the medications because we cannot force medications at a jail mm-hmm. we're not a federal prison we don't do that so if somebody has psych medications and they refuse them and because they refuse them they 
go into a fit of mania or they like are schizophrenic and now they're paranoid and think you're attacking them or whatever reason and it gets so bad you just at that point realize they're off their medications and unfortunately that's a side effect it has nothing to do with how they are when they are on their medications that's not them as a person that's like what they're dealing with Mm -hmm. versus the person who is in there for murder with no mental health issues that's coming to me about his paper cut and starts cussing me out and threatening me right that person is the person I'm going to be like, we're about to have a come to Jesus moment. We don't speak that way in medical. <laughs> Time out. Yeah. Yeah. Let me tell you something because I usually find out who pedophiles are in the jail. Not because I, again, I do not look into their charges. I don't want it to affect how I treat people right. at all. Right. And <clears throat> not that it has because like after I know them, like... I still do you just, my job. You look at and them I, like and a I person. talk to them like I don't know you what their just, charges are. Because right. like, if, if you work in a jail, you work in a jail. You have to do that. You can't go in there no. being like, oh, oh, if I see that. You can't do that. that. You cannot do that in that setting. I find out normally because it's like the officers tell you or like they're in, usually they're in behavioral units is how you find out. And then you hear about it in the news half the time. Right behavioral units for their safety not because of their behavior but they're in segregated units so that they themselves do not get beat up or injured by other inmates because it's it's not not a good thing to be in jail for and be in general population you will not know very frowned upon if you're gp general population you're gonna join a gang and what does gp mean GP, how can i be gp or GP not gp means general population okay the other option is to be SNY, which is protective custody PC. And so you can tell the cops, I wanna be general population or I'm gonna be PC. You should not be like that. To be PC back in the day, you had to say, I'm scared. Like I'm fear for my life. Okay. And then they would put you with other people. Now what's happened now is the gangs became general population and the PC became the people who aren't allowed in general population. The people who aren't allowed in general population are child molesters, anyone, any rapists, anyone, a lot of crimes of those sorts, you just get stabbed right away. If you went into GP, if they you would kill GP, you. If you went into GP, you have to, if your celly came in and you read his paperwork and it said he's a child molester, you would have to kill him or you would get killed. That's how it works. There's no way around it. That's an ethical code that keeps these organizations together. Oh, that's just the way they believe as well. Yeah. That's what it is. And that's the way it's been for a long time. It is crazy that they are usually the most unsuspecting, friendliest people. I never would have guessed it until like I found out because like there's always people in there where I'm like, what are they in here for? They're always the nicest person. They're never mean. They're always polite. They come in. They don't ask for much. You know, and you're like, what are they in here for? But obviously, I don't look it up. Because and they have the worst charge of everyone. They do. They always do. It never seems to fail me. I'm like, woof. I'm the most unsuspecting. And it does make sense because in order to commit those crimes, you have to build trust with people. You have to be able to communicate with people right. and not scare people away, specifically children. So you have to have that. If you look like a chomo, you're probably not a chomo. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you've got those uh, bottle cap glasses and a white yeah. van with your uh, mustard yellow striped 70s shirt, yeah. you're probably not a chomo. <laughs> so you can rest assured you're just a loser. 
seen <laughs> Yeah, I've seen that. That's terrible. <laughs> loser but people are just gonna think you're a pedophile and you're not and that's not something you want to look like thanks for bearing with us through all of our craziness yeah and all of our little side conversations and tangents uh we tend to get a little off track but mm. it's all part of the conversation part of the fun part of the ride <laughs> we talk too much guys Sorry. we really yeah we really do uh we're gonna cut a lot of this out though yeah so hi <laughs> So, hey, you won't even hear it. <laughs> you, will... you want some candy? <laughs> so you will never know the secrets. <laughs> this was a great idea. I'm so glad we started a podcast. <laughs> People are going to listen to it and be like, these girls are crazy. <laughs> We're really just doing it for our own entertainment. <laughs> At this point. I mean, it's not for anyone else but nope. ourselves. <laughs> It's a great time. Thanks so much for joining us for our Madeline McCann uh, two-part series. Yeah. It's just crazy how long it took for them to get to where they finally are today. Are today because mm -hmm. of all the circumstantial evidence and just people's eyewitness accounts, people that never came forward, people that... That is crazy. All the people that never came forward that, like, no. have had these details later. Yeah, and he, he essentially had people enabling him to go on to do all these other crimes. I think that uh, there are more victims of our suspect of other crime. There are other investigations all over Germany. Do you fear that you are dealing with a serial killer? I don't know. I don't know. How on earth do the McCann family recover from this if this man is the person who took their daughter? I can just imagine how they feel right now. And being in this state of uncertainty, some people or some, some parents of missing children say this uncertainty is worse than having the fact or, or knowing that maybe the child is dead. Do you suspect that Maddie McCann is one of the people featured in the videos or pictures? I'm quite sure that they have some good evidence. It could be videos. I mean, he was into child pornography and torture and he did crimes against children at a very early age. And according to the current information, he also filmed his offenses. So you can clearly say what happened there if it's on tape. But whatever the critical new piece of evidence German authorities have, they're keeping it to themselves. Although Prosecutor Walters may have given us a clue. We do know that police recovered thousands of files of disturbing pictures and videos that you believe belong to Christian Bruckner. Um, is there evidence on those videos of Madeleine McCann? At the moment, I'm not allowed to uh, contend on that. Um, so I'm not able to say if there are pictures or if there are no pictures of Madeleine. If you'd like more information on the Madeline McCann case, you can visit findmadeline.com. You can also head to the official Find Madeline campaign on Facebook, where you'll find more information, tip lines, contact info, and resources. Stay sexy, stay great, and, and don't, don't end, end up, up on, on the first 48. 48.